0: Now, here's your host of Sound Off, Brad Bennett.
1: Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yes, we are back here, hour number two, and the loggers are in the house. Pete Woods. Welcome uh, to Sound Off uh, and welcome to Let the Sawdust Fly, which comes to us every month, the last Wednesday, uh, right here on KDL. Used to be on WDSM, but uh, God, how long have you been uh, bringing us up to date on the logging industry,
0: Pete? Hello, oh, been- Brad, and folks out there. It's nice to be back. KDL 610, bigger, spacious studio here. It's uh, quite elaborate, sitting in a very nice plus chair and a yeah. gorgeous view we got the view of the beach and everything and by the time i'm done talking we're going to be need eating something you're going to welcome all that snow deep hip deep snow out there <laughs> But we've we've been doing this uh, since uh, July 2016 was the first show we ever got to do, wow. and Brad, it's been a pleasure that you allowed us to come on every once a month and talk about the timber related issues. And 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 today we have somebody. I'm happy that he was willing to do this. Is Luke Peterson from Hibbing Public Utilities? Yeah. Their general manager. And we're going Luke is going to come on here really soon. But I just want to get the tempo set here a little bit, folks. So bear with me just a little bit. And that is is that. When I was a kid growing up, my dad would tell me things here and there. My mom would tell me things here and there that were short kind of things. But when you're a little kid and it's in the late 60s or 70s, you're single digits old. And a lot of this stuff didn't make sense to me. I didn't know what they're why they were telling me that, but it stuck. And you never kind of forget it. And one of the yeah. things my dad would tell me is he he's told me a couple times. I don't know if he told my siblings as well. Maybe he did. But he said, if, 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 if you really wanted to paralyze this country, this was back then. He said, if you really want to paralyze this country, he said, "Cut to electricity. People don't know what to do," and I never. Oh. It didn't make sense to me. But now we're more dependent on electricity than ever, ever by a lot. Try and go a day without your cell phones, folks out there. And 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 yeah. and, and um, I never forgot that, and it kind of sticks with you. And and the other thing that I was thinking about the other day, a little while ago, is green energy. Um, you're you hear propaganda all the time tell your ears about green energy and you look at windmills and solar panels and they they say that that is green energy and I hear it with my ears but if I don't hear it with my ears and I think to myself and I just look you know folks just slow down and, and think about this when I look at a windmill I look at solar panels I do not see green energy show me the green energy I you can't I'm not saying the product that's kicking out. I'm looking at the windmill. I'm looking at the solar panel. Show yeah. me the green energy. I see something that's fabricated. I see something that came from steel. I see something that's run in oil. There's probably product from the timber industry as well. Solar panels, the same thing. All right, now, now keep that in mind when you hear somebody say green energy. Where is it when I look at it? Okay, but what I can do is I can tell you what is green energy. A forest. When we harvest off a forest, we manage that forest. We utilize the stuff today from the forest for this generation. But we're replanting many, many times over for the next generation. And we can keep doing that over and over and over again. Okay, so now, folks, with today is Luke Peterson, General Manager of Hibbing Public Utilities, and I found this out not that long ago. And uh, a f- the lady I had on last time, Julie Marinucci, Land Commissioner, right. she introduced me to Luke, and what they're oh, doing okay. at Hibbing. And I thought, yeah, this is good. I thought, okay, I'll think about it a little bit, and then start thinking about this is fantastic. They they had the plant and. Luke is going to explain what took place, but first we've got to get a little dialogue from Luke so you don't think I just found him out of Big Fork or something like that. I thought you <laughs> People did, are from Peter. Big Fork are going <laughs> to holler at me now, but what do you mean
2: Big it, Fork? It was actually Cherry, maybe.
0: Uh. <laughs> okay, so, so let Brad, folks out there, we have Luke Peterson, General Manager of Hibbing here, Public utility. Luke,
1: welcome to the show. Well, welcome thank, to the show, Luke.
2: Thank you so much, Brad, and thank you, Peter, for uh, finding me wherever you did and, and, and dragging me in here today. Um, At Hibbing Public Utilities, um, we've—I'd say—we've started a very, very small step in our energy independence. And it, uh, when Peter and I met uh, a couple of weeks ago, it—it was kind of accidental, but it was very purposeful in the fact that this is something Peter's been advocating for for many years. Is to, like his dad said, just look what's in front of you, and you know, looking out. You know, really taking care of ourselves on a global level by taking care of what's in our backyard, and uh, you know what we've been doing in Hibbing public utilities. I'm very proud of the work that all our employees have done. Happy to talk about it uh, and share our experiences here on the air.
1: Well, and 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 Luke, um, maybe talk a little bit about w- how you came to the decision uh, instead of bo- uh, bu- you know burning gas or. F- fossil fuels or whatever uh was it just that you looked outside one day and said wow look at all those trees out there i <laughs> bet you we could use some of
2: those <laughs> um well if i could just take a step back and just tell you just a little okay, bit about sure. how i got to where i am and then then you can determine if how i how i found that out but um i'm uh, originally from proctor uh, born and raised on the family farm it's been in my f- family for almost four generations here back to 1877 okay. before there were roads and uh as uh, a big, ambitious high school student wanted to go conquer the world, and I went and studied economics, and international relations at Carleton. Went, tried to make a whole bunch of money out in Wall Street after graduating because that's happiness, right? Um, and. Uh, when I was out there, uh, just a couple of I mean, it, I was part of that big blackout on the East Coast back in 2003. Uh, since then, though, I'd oh, yeah. done some international development work overseas, um, you know, trying to help people out in, in uh, developing countries. And family brings me back to northern Minnesota, and I've worked for the energy industry here in Duluth since 2010, uh, where I worked with Minnesota Power. And then about a year ago, I left Minnesota Power to become the general manager of Hibbing Public Utilities. Uh, Who uh, was, I would say, at the end of a an era of an old business model that uh, was struggling and needed to reinvent itself. So, um, some of the listeners, especially the advocate, the ardent followers of the timber industry, probably know about the Laurentian Energy uh, generation experiment that was done. But for those of you who don't know, I'll just say that uh, in 2007, uh, a couple cities, including Hibbing got together to um, invest in a biomass boiler. And so this is 2007, 15 years ago. And when um, they invested in this, they were going to sell biomass power to Excel Energy. And uh, what happened, for various reasons, it was decided not to continue that in 2018. Um, And so when I walked in here, I was seeing a utility that was really struggling financially, uh, morale- and all these things, and I, I'm no, I believe there's no new thing under the sun. I think it's written in, in old, old uh, text somewhere. And w- what will work? And one of the uh, political uh, connected folks in the city at the time told me, well, we tried biomass, and we know that doesn't work. And I said, really? How how do we know that doesn't work? Um, but long story short, it's all doing the best with what you got. Um, we have an excellent boiler that's actually our newest boiler. We, it was put in in 2007, and it was just walked away from four years ago. And I thought, well, how much is it going to cost to get this thing going again? And what's our cheapest fuel? And so that's what I was looking at um, before we got into the decision to start it. But it all goes back to February 18th, of, or President's Day of last year. And you guys remember what was okay. happening with that polar vortex?
0: Yeah, nice and warm. Oh,
2: yeah. Yeah. Well, here I had just taken a new job. I hadn't even started yet. And um, I started to see what was going on in the gas markets. And I was thinking to myself, holy, holy junk, what is this going to mean to the community I'm about to start taking care of from an energy perspective? And lo and behold, um, that event caused $1.6 million of extra costs just to our gas wow. rate in one weekend. One weekend? One weekend.
1: What a shock to your bottom line, huh?
2: It is. I mean, it's like, imagine it's like your car is driving off the cliff and you're just looking at it as the ground <laughs> gets closer.
0: So this was roughly so, just a hair over a year ago, right now? Right. It was, yeah. it's, we
2: are on the anniversary of the polar vortex, so this Is interesting that we got this far from something so bad.
1: So, Luke, you have this—you have this boiler left over from now. Why did they think this experiment didn't work before? Was it just the way the 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 way the whole thing was structured economically, or what?
2: I'm—I want to be polite, Brad. um, And what I want to just say is, um, there's no guarantee, but the need for hard work. And sometimes the easy thing isn't the best thing. And the easy thing is um, sometimes not as easy as you think it is. So, sure. you know, and I'm, I'm just stubborn enough to have to look at the numbers for myself and make a decision. And when I looked at it and I saw the the risk of over-reliance on gas to the tune of $1.6 million just for our 4,000 gas customers, I said, this can't wow. be. So um, what happened is in you know, back when I was investment banking, uh, my uh, managing director told me, um, and I won't swear on the air because it's not polite, but that assumptions <laughs> would <it> be good. <laughs> assumptions are the are the mother of all mess ups. Let's just put it that oh, way. Oh yeah, and sure. In, I understand. And especially when you get a bunch of engineers around the table, not knocking engineers, but everyone can reassure themselves of the assumptions they're making are true. And you know what? I mean. They're often not. The only thing we know is is, is change is guaranteed. Kind so of
0: like you're 100% right until somebody proves you wrong all Exactly. And then all of a sudden you better keep your mouth shut <laughs> yeah. a little
2: more often and listen more often. That's right. And, you know, big decisions were made on the assumption that gas would always be $2 a decatherm or, or $3 a decatherm. Oh, yep. And you make this, you know, nice uh, Shangri-La palace in the air. It's all based on this one fragile assumption that If you would have told me a year ago we might be going to war with Russia, I would say you're crazy. That's never going to happen, and I still think that's crazy and that's never going to happen. But we certainly we inched a
0: little closer. So, um, but on the natural gas, notice how the natural gas was really cheap for a while. They cut. They kind of killed the biomass industry in a way across the upper midwest maybe other places i'm talking sure, to stop right here okay and yeah. all i kept thinking is natural gas may be low right now but what are you going to do if you kill all your infrastructure when all of a sudden that thing spikes up overnight and that's exactly what having experienced and probably other customers yep. it's just that we have luke here today 810 listen
1: uh oh. luke hmm. luke you and pete uh, hold your fire for just a minute we're uh, yeah, as you know we're a commercial radio station we have to take a break here But what I'd like you to consider is when we come back, talk about how you made the transition and how do you make transitions from people that are burning uh, uh, gas in their home? How do you then convert them to a form of electricity that you send, uh, I would assume, through electrical lines? Uh, But let's talk about that conversion, how that happened when we come back uh, right after this first break. Giant Redwood, the larch, the fir, the mighty Scots pine, the smell of fresh-cut timber, the crash
2: of mighty trees.
1: With my best girl by my side,
2: we'd sing, sing, sing!
1: I'm a lumberjack and I'm okay I sleep all night and I work all day He's a lumberjack and he's okay He sleeps all night and he works all day
2: I cut down trees, I eat my lunch I go to the laboratory
1: And it goes to the laboratory. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yep, everywhere we go, we can go. <laughs> oh boy. I'll anyway, what. thanks Brad, thanks We uh, filter.
1: Yeah, I was going to say this, for those of you on KDAL that have not heard uh, this segment again, this this segment will come to you every last Wednesday of the month in the second hour of the Sound Off Show. You'll hear Pete Woods from the uh, loggers and truckers group, Northern Minnesota loggers and truckers group, uh, because you know what? They need to get the message out on their industry as well. And since July of 2016, we've been able to carry the torch a little bit for them And Peter is, of course, so fortunate to have with him today, Luke Peterson, who is general manager of the Hibbing Public Utilities. And we were just talking a little bit about conversion uh, uh, back over to wood in a boiler system that you had available there. So did you have to convince people that this was the way to go? Or how do do you convert people uh, to using Uh, Wood once they've gotten used to uh, gas or natural gas or whatever other source they're using?
2: Well, thanks for that question, Brad. Uh, For us, we had the boiler in place. It was already built. It was just sitting there. It was idled. And so for us to transition to make our power plant from just a coal and a gas plant to a coal, gas, and wood, it was already done. And so the cost was very minimal. We did some repairs inside the boiler to make it a little more efficient. Um, a couple, sure. uh, we, we greased some joints and, and, and let her run. Um, so that's why this needed to happen in my mind. We looked at the, just the efficiency of our plant. And I, I know what the market price of electricity is you know, from uh, my, my, my career in, in energy. And sure. I needed to say, if we can produce it as cheap or cheaper as a market price, I know no matter what you are doing, we're doing the right thing. So that's how I started. I started from the other side, and I looked at a question of how can we make this be competitive with the market price. At the gas rates we're paying, it was fifty-five bucks a megawatt hour. At the coal price we were paying, it was ninety dollars a megawatt hour. At our cheapest, at our wood price that we're paying, it was twenty-five dollars a megawatt hour.
1: Wow. That sounds like <coughs> so maybe a raise or that's something. That's a pretty like that. good savings.
2: Yeah. I, I well and you know, that's before all the the uh plant overhead uh, costs. I had to poke yeah, bit. I know, I know, I know. Uh, <laughs> you're not the only one, uh, Mr. Wood.
0: But but the the big thing that drives it a lot of times was the scare of what happened during the polar vortex. It made you really start thinking, open your eyes, because see, before, everybody was thinking gas, 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 coal, you know, fuel, and everybody thinks it's never going to end. Mm-hmm. It may not end, but all of a sudden you had something out of control that you can do nothing about. And it could just about kill everything. Uh,
2: that's absolutely yeah. right. It's that control, and also, I mean, just the the families that we're supporting um, locally with our logging our, our biomass operations. That one point six yes. million dollars that it costs the average homeowner uh, one hundred and fifty dollars a month just for those three dollars, three days costs one hundred and fifty dollars for the average homeowner Ooh. in living, and w- that one point six million dollars went poof. Who got it's it?
1: Gone
2: I, in a, yeah, yeah. Who it went, some big commodity markets in Dubai? Who knows where that dollar actually ended up? But I know when I pay, you know, m- our logging company for the wood chips, I know who's getting it, right? And, and he he waits for that that payment because I I hear it if it's a day yeah. late, um, you know. But it's well, he, it's not me, in, folks. In it's yeah. not me. It <laughs> isn't. <laughs>
1: Uh, That's what I was going to ask you, though, Luke. Is is what uh, what process do you burn? Do you burn logs? Do you burn wood chips? Do you burn pellets? Or w- what what's the process?
2: Our process is to take chipped wood. So this is the the tops in the limbs. The I don't want to call it waste wood, but it's not the prime saw log. It's the right. it's, it's the right. leftovers that needs to get cleared out of a out of timber mm-hmm. clearing anyway.
0: Folks out there listening, sure. you're now you can't uh, from a standpoint, standpoint you cannot take beautiful wood and grind it up and sell it to these kind of utilities no matter who they are because the the money will it, you'll you'll go broke doing it because the logs yeah. will cost too much so it's always the bottom i call it the bottom of the barrel but there's still a place for the bottom of the barrel mm-hmm. and this is one of those places and instead of losing that control what was happening to hibbing could happen to anybody but we'll talk a little bit about more of that as we go on here it's to establish a little bit more with well the
1: guys here. we've uh We've got to take our uh, CBS News break. It's a hard break here. Uh, but when we, when we come back after that, let's continue this discussion about how you uh, came up with this. Where is the market for uh, the wood chips? Does it come out of the logging out in the, uh, out in the forest? Or is it uh, loggers that bring it into other operations? So when we come back uh, from our uh, CBS News, let's talk that. We'll be right back. Bye. Peter Wood and uh, Luke Peterson from the general manager from Hibbing Public Utilities, we were talking a little bit uh, about how you switched over the system in Hibbing and you went to a wood chip product, uh, which is kind of, you know, it's not fair to say it's the leftover process, but it is. In manufacturing, uh, when you do logging, there's always uh, wood chips left uh in the in the manufacturing process and now there's a market for those so how long have you actually been running this through the hibbing system
2: uh we started in september so last year uh, yes uh, september of 2021 um so and remember that this had run very well well it had run from 2007 to 2018 So it had a a good 11 years of running uh, through the Laurentian Energy Authority, and that equipment was still there. What we found, though, is on the big rush to gas, that market for wood chips, this waste wood, had somewhat dried up.
0: A lot of the Aww. supply left because you don't have a market and you no point in sticking around sure. for something that you don't believe is going to happen anymore. It's gone because natural gas, you're fighting with that. And so the price of natural gas at the time was pretty cheap, and everybody thought, forget wood. And that happens over and over again. It happened in the 70s where everybody was trying to buy firewood and because gas prices went sky high. In the 70s, it's the exact same thing. And then all of a sudden, people are buying firewood after firewood. And then when they get comfortable and gas comes down, they kind of start throwing that to the wayside. And that, that's something that, it, you're in a way, society is setting itself up for a big hurt, I mean, c- yeah. through the country. And what that's why I thought was so important what Hibbing was doing. I thought, this is fantastic. Granted, you went through a hurt period, but you they, they learned a lesson. They don't want to be dependent on somebody else from another part of the country. They are becoming self-sufficient. Now, they can get the supply. It isn't just wood waste from mills. It's also waste from the job sites, logger supply, there's different different operations mm-hmm. that come and bring the product to you on a regular basis, mm-hmm. and and the thing is, I'm a little bit out, I'm probably 50 miles out from it, and that's getting to me, getting to the outside of the ability to stay efficient on it, because if you don't keep the prices right, you'll become like gas, and pretty soon it starts skyrocketing. Right. Yeah, right and,
2: and right. gas prices are a big part of it, and that distance traveled. You know, we found that it's most economical for our partners in logging if the wood supply is coming within a thirty-mile radius of the power plant, and that makes sense. So, what do you do to mitigate that? So, we, we really started focusing on logistics because, you know, wood supply from a production standpoint is it's all logistics. Just like whether you're anything, it's it's where you're getting it from, how you're going to get it there, how you're going to maintain the quality of that product. While it's right. in the process, if you, I, uh, the old uh, director of power production said, if you can get it in that boiler, it'll burn every anything. <laughs> the, the challenge is getting it from <laughs> the forest floor into the boiler. But you know what? It's a good challenge to have because it just takes a good partnership and a good teamwork, a lot of good heads working together. And it's not easy. There's no guarantee of success. But if we all work together, we can figure it out. And that's what we've done.
0: Yeah. And the logging, you know, when I said it kind of killed the structure of it. But really, it has not killed it. I, I shouldn't have said it that way. It, it put it on thinking mode, I guess you could say, well, thinking about what am I going to do. And, and, but the structure is all there. It's just to develop relationships with different individuals, different businesses, that can start supplying and working together to make this work. Because, folks, if, if we rely on your electricity or steam, we got hit mm-hmm. on that a little bit too, Luke, but uh, from somebody that's a uh, 1,000 miles away and you get cut off, they don't really care. But no. if you're inhibiting and you can call up the manager and there are somebody you know, mm-hmm. then it becomes a different story. Local, local control means local ownership and local ability to keep it going the right way. This is something that I thought could work all across the nation wherever there's a timber basket. Mm-hmm. Wherever there's timber, this should be able to work, where sure. we're not counting on natural gas, we're not counting on the wind blowing. Granted, all that can be used, but if we have a timber basket, why couldn't this work as well anywhere where there's timber? You've got to keep it within a certain amount of range. You cannot develop a plant like this in South Dakota. You can't, no. but you could in the Black Hills, where there, if there's enough, there's got to be enough waste to do it. Mm-hmm. Well, waste. Peter,
1: uh, Peter Wood, maybe uh, can you explain how a logger like yourself, uh, working out in the woods, how do you collect the leftovers? So I have a visualization, and maybe I'm wrong, but of, the, of these big wood chippers, where you're taking the the limbs and the tops and everything, and running them through this wood chipper and creating the chips—is that well, kind well, of? A
0: you're you're as you're not running out there individually picking up sticks by hand. You know, no. it's <laughs> not it's not reality. Reality is, is right. the machines are putting the wood on the ground, and the machines are bringing the wood out, and the machines are processing different uh, different quality. If if you got saw logs, you take the saw logs out first, and then you, after that you get the pulp. You take the pulp out, and all this wood is coming to you. Okay. You're bringing the limbs sure. out, and you may limb in a certain spot. You, you still, still, still want to leave some material out there. We did a study with the university not that long ago. I'll have to talk on another show, but what we did on that about 15, 20 years ago. But on this, the, the, the wood is coming out on a regular basis, and the tops from when you're loading the truck, the tops are right there, the chipper's right there, and then when you're right. done with the, the good wood, the trash goes in the van and you blast it in there with a chipper. When you see a chipper, if you've never seen one, and you watch it work, it's kind of intimidating, almost scary, because there's all this power, it and it's just yeah. gobbling that wood up and blowing the van at on 100 miles an hour. You watch that stuff just fly in there. And if you're never used to it, it does a bit intimidating, but once you're used to it, it's just everyday process. You can hear that machine. My daughter said, I heard it three miles away. You can hear that, you know, and it oh, grinds yeah. it up. But uh, it, it, it's it's utilization you have to work it as one it has to be efficient because we're not talking high dollar stuff here you never can talk high dollar stuff on this because the market will never bear it and that's why it's important to have the the halls have to be a certain distance or less the markets have to be supplied but folks with this situation up in hibbing i bet those residents up there would not really worry about it anymore about having a, such a huge spike because now you can, can kind of control that, couldn't you? It, yeah. That's, that,
2: yeah, that's absolutely right. And by having this extra fuel source, well, I mean, it's, it's a natural fuel source. It's how my ancestors heated their homes for well before natural yep. gas was even discovered. And, and yeah. it, so it just kind of makes sense. Um, and, you know, what we've done and I think what uh, what institutions can do like the city of Hibbing, the public utilities in Hibbing, like the county, and the land director was here last, last episode, is uh, really kind of help understand the market dynamics of this uh, uh, ancillary waste product that isn't the reason why Peter's in the woods, but no, it might as well be because there's extra value there that can keep sure. the city of Hibbing independent. And so, by now, in, it, oh, I'm sorry, uh, but I just wanted to say, by going into logistics, we have an extra warehouse, or extra storage yard that we added in Hibbing by the county investing nice. in infrastructure to take out some of these uh, ups and downs. Okay.
0: Your surge pile.
2: We have a surge pile, yeah, and it's in the,
0: the city limits. So if the wood's well, coming in good Luke, enough, you don't have to use it. That's right.
1: Luke, could you and Peter explain uh, the steam process now? I, I, I would assume you're burning these wood chips and then you're heating water, and that's creating steam that can be used in
2: industrial settings as well, right? That's absolutely right. You know, in the industry, they call it combined heat and power. So, uh, okay. for for the people at home, most electricity, even with this uh, big renewable uh, push that's coming on, most is still coming from thermal generation, meaning fuel is being burned to make steam that is then run through a turbine. And if you've never seen an electric turbine before, uh, it looks like a big uh, fan or like a big propane propane motor in that um, that steam is pushed right through and the blades swing around and the blades have magnets that make a spark around uh, copper wires. And that's where all of us get our power from. And when that happens, uh, that steam for us, we're a combined heat and power plant, where we take the waste steam and we sell it to our steam customers. It's a waste product. We heat people's homes. Sure. We heat their businesses. Um, in Hibbing in 1920, if you came from the country and, and uh, had a primitive facilities out there, you moved into town, you had uh, on-demand hot water heater of a cold water pipe with a steam coil wrapped around it. You could take as long a shower as you wanted. I uh, yeah, had it uh,
0: better back then, I do now. Yeah,
2: <laughs> I know. So um, so anyway, well, that steam, it, uh, uh, that allows us to be 80% efficient by doing a sure. cogeneration process making two products and that's a unique factor in hibbing but something that can be replaced elsewhere and in fact, and a lot of paper mills use it, places where there's wood, places where there's need for process steam.
0: And it can be duplicated right. across the country to this it, exact process. Peter, so. uh,
1: Peter, this has been a, a real eye-opening show, and uh, we got to have Luke back on again soon because I can see that this could be carried over in a number of other areas throughout Minnesota. But unfortunately, we've run up against the clock. we to got to go to our Minnesota News Network here in just a matter of seconds. But I want to thank our guests this morning, uh, Luke Peterson, the general manager of Hibbing Public Utilities. And, of course, thank Peter Wood uh, from the Logging and Trucking Association always for bringing us exciting uh, news about the logging industry here in northern Minnesota. Thank and you. we look forward to it again next next month, the last Wednesday of every month, second hour, you will hear Let the Sawdust Fly. So thank you, gentlemen. Thank you.
2: Thank you, Brad.